leadership team here at City Life. I'm really glad you're here tonight. If this is your first time here or your first time listening online, I want to say welcome. I think you're in for a real treat tonight. Our senior pastor, Pastor Fred, is out of town this weekend. He is in the Sunshine State with his son hunting wild pigs. It's true. I saw, I see some pictures of it. It's a, they're having some pretty good success. And while it's unlucky for the Floridian swine, it's lucky for me because I get to kick off our new series titled Watch Your Mouth. And over the next six weeks, what we're doing, we're doing something new. We're having contests that we're going to pose a question each week and people um, respond on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then at the beginning of the service, we're going to announce our winners. Okay? Now, last week we asked, what is a single word that God has said to you that's changed your life? And we had some great submissions. So, so I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about heaven speaking to the heart, one word, and it changes someone's life. And I'm going to read through some of the words, okay? Listen to this. Joy, enough, director, seek, held, know, victory, mother, seen, catalyst, maranatha, unveiled, wait, believe. Obey, dream, abide. I don't know if I said enough. Enough, I almost chose enough, but I didn't. Sorry, but it was very good from Caitlin and Denise. But our first winner tonight is Amanda Hiltz with contentment. If you know anything about Amanda's story, her word contentment really shines on the glory of God and her family. Thank you so much. And our second word for tonight, which I, I think it kind of fits in pretty good with our message tonight, is from Paul Birch, who said, listen. He said, listen, and he said that God spoke to him, and uh, he said he was doing a lot of the talking. How many of us know sometimes God says, would you still stop talking long enough so I can say something to you? So listen, great word, Brother Paul. Thank you. Listen, our question for this week is... Provide a short story of how someone has encouraged you. Provide a short story of how someone has encouraged you. And again, put it on Facebook, Instagram, just hashtag it, watch your mouth, okay? You can start that at 7 when the message is over. <laughs> Look, I am. I'm really excited about this message tonight because no matter our differences, whether it's our age or or our background, or our education, even our level of spiritual maturity. I believe that all of us have, have at one time or another, right, said something. And then immediately, or, or maybe even a little bit later, thought, oh, mm, I wish I didn't say that. I, I wish I could take that back. Well, I know I have more than once. And that's why I've always wanted to be able to do this.
Because you are here for a reason. One of those things I can do. All those powers. And I couldn't even save him. Hi. Now I know there are some astrophysicists possibly in here. Maybe we have some folks that work at NASA and they're like, Steve, you got it all wrong. Superman didn't actually turn the Earth backwards on its axis. He flew so fast he went back in time. That's an actual argument that's going online right now. Like, regardless of how we did it, I, that's super semantics to me. Regardless of how we did it, what I know is that myself and maybe a few of you wish that we could go back just a second or so, and hold our tongue. Maybe say something different. But you know and I know that once we say it, we can't. It's out there. And that's why we decided to launch this series, Watch Your Mouth. Watch it. Because, and you're going to hear this over the next several weeks, our words have power. They have power. And wouldn't it make sense then that there's a God in heaven who created us and loves us and knows the power of our words, that he would have a few things to say about how we use our words. Well, in fact, he does. There are over 400 verses of scripture that relate directly to words. Over 400 from their origin to how we use them. And we're going to be covering them, a lot of them over the next six weeks. One of the most popular verses of scripture, though, when we begin to talk about our words is Proverbs 18, 21. The power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I like what the Message Bible says. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. And don't we see this truth every day played out in our life? We see life with words of praise. We see death with words of hate. We see marriages begin with words like, I do, and end with, I won't. We see new opportunities begin when somebody says, hey, have we ever thought about this? And we see those same opportunities cut short when someone else says, it'll never work. 
We've offered apologies that have mended relationships, folks, and we've said words that have ended them. We have raised people's potential with a vote of confidence and reduced them to tears with bouts of criticism. This troubling tension between life and death is even highlighted in James chapter 3, verse 10, where he says blessings and cursing, it comes from the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And yet you and I know that it happens every day in our life. I bet it wouldn't be difficult if I went around the room and I said, hey, do you remember when somebody spoke words of life to you? Words like, you can do it. You're beautiful. You're smart enough. I believe in you. You know, you're good enough. You can do this. And I also know that it's not too difficult for us to remember the painful ones as well. You're ugly. You're stupid. You'll never change. You're just like your father. Or you're just like your mother. Right? And while I know that we can sit here and we can dissect the words we've heard, laying them on top of a table like a Scrabble game, but I don't want to talk about the words we've heard, although that's a message in itself. I want to touch tonight on the words we say because I believe too often we spend too much time thinking about the words others have said to us and evaluating that and not enough time thinking about how our words affect other people. So we're going to unpack a verse of scripture tonight in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, please go to Ephesians chapter 4. See, Ephesians is one of the 13 Pauline epistles. One of the four that Paul wrote while he was still in prison around AD 60, 61. We're going to start in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Let's read that real quick. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's drop down to verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What I want to look at tonight, I want to break down this verse for us as we go into the Watch Your Mouth series. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, we're going to look at the first part of this verse. He starts by talking about, don't you let them come out of your mouth. See, I love that this verse kicks off with a significant element of self-control. It starts right off talking about self-control. And I think this is a good place to kick off this series. Because as you remember, we're just coming out of the series on the Holy Spirit, correct? We remember Galatians chapter 5 where he talks about the nine fruit of the Spirit. These are fruit, our characteristics of God that we should be manifesting in our life. Oh, by the way, in increasing measure. And the last one he highlights is self-control. How many of us have said the following words? Oh, I said it, but I didn't mean it. 
or it just slipped out. See, we've seen reputations, dreams, and destinies derailed from the uncontrollable tongue. From Brian Williams fabricating news stories to Ariana Grande in a donut shop saying, I hate America. They and others like them, to include you and I, have felt the negative press and the weight of not controlling our tongue. But I believe, I believe, and follow me here, that this is where we miss a lot of great growth opportunities. There's a moment when something comes out of our mouth, yours and mine, and it causes somebody to pause, pull back, or maybe even push us away. And we begin to see that reaction, and we, in, we immediately initiate damage control. And we start rationalizing and reasoning why we said what we did. Maybe, maybe we'll have our agent issue an apology. And while we don't want to get into the habit of dissecting everything we say, I believe that there are times in our life that something comes out of our mouth that God wants our attention to say, let's talk about where that came from. Let's look at that, and why do you even said that? If we're to watch our mouth, we can't do this on our own. We have to invite the Holy Spirit into our life to help us. Amen? Look, Jesus himself said in Luke 6, 45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He didn't say out of the scarcity. He said out of the overflow. It's no mistake what's coming out of your mouth is in your heart. We sung it this morning. Fill me up, Lord, so I overflow. I believe that there are times God is trying to put things into our heart, and we're, but we're allowing other things to fill us up. If we're to watch our mouth and go forward with this series, if we're to follow the Ephesians 4.29 mandate, then we're going to have to tonight invite the Holy Spirit into that part of our heart, just like David did in Psalm 139. I believe it's verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart, right? I'm a fan of an author by the name of Todd Henry. And I'm halfway through his latest book called Louder Than Words, Finding Your Authentic Voice. And in this chapter on identity, he said this. He said, you know, I tend to process my thoughts verbally. Because of that, I may say something off the cuff in a conversation that I didn't realize I felt. So I try to capture these words as soon as the conversation ends, because if I don't, they will fade from my memory. Folks, we have to pay attention to the words that are coming out of our mouth. They are literally audible identities in the lives of other people of how they look at us. And I believe it begins tonight with self-control. Another part of that first verse, we hear a lot about unwholesome talk coming out of our mouth. Right? Some translations say foul language, so we read that and we immediately think profanity. And it is that, but it's so much more. Do you know the King James Version says, do not let any corrupt communication proceed from your mouth. That word corrupt in the Greek is the word sapros, S-A-P-R-O-S, and, and it means rotten, poor quality, unfit for use, putrid, decaying, and worthless. It's used six times in the New Testament, this time in Ephesians, four other times in, in the, the parable of a good tree cannot produce bad sapros fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. The sixth time is in a parable of the net, how the kingdom of heaven is like a net that's thrown into the sea, collects a bunch of fish, and then they get together, they gather, they keep the good ones while they discard the worthless sapros. 
So obviously, folks, there's more to this verse in corrupt communication than profanity. It's literally identifying what is the origin of your words. Where are they coming from? And oh, by the way, it also highlights what, which of your words will be taken to the kingdom eternally and which ones will be discarded. Here's what I know. I know that in Matthew 12, 36, Jesus himself said, on the day of judgment, every one of us will give an account for the idle words we speak. That word idle means careless and lazy. If we're to give an account to the King of kings and Lord of lords for the lazy words we use, what are we going to be held to for the rotten, worthless words? The verse continues. But only what is helpful, only what is helpful for building others up. Some know the translations say only those that edify others. Edify, the root word of that is edifice. And it means to construct and build upon a structure to make it bigger and make it better. It reminds me of Cameron and Jennifer Muro's home. They've recently put an addition onto their house, another 240 square feet. And I walk into there, and it's beautiful. They got this huge master bathroom, a big, huge closet. They extended one of the bedrooms, and it's just like, wow, from the inside and outside. You know what it did? It raised the value of their home and made it nicer inside. That's what our words are supposed to do. In this context, in this context, it means that an act of one that promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, holiness, and joy. Your words. Your words. So my question is, do your words tonight, on September 19th, 2015, do your words, do they build people up? Are they edifying others? What about when you're home? Husbands, when you speak to your wives, are your words making them better? Wives, speaking to your husbands, are your words lifting them up with appreciation, making them stronger? Parents to your kill, parents to your children, children to your parents. What about when you're at work? Listen, if you have one language, if you have one language at work and another one at church, there's a problem. There's a well. You don't understand, Steve. It's the only way they get it. I, I don't know. I don't think. I think you're not getting it. <laughs> Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we got to ask ourselves, folks, tonight: What legacy do I want to leave with my language? What do I want to be remembered for when it comes to the words that I use? So I'm gonna. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. I'm going to throw out a movie trivia. I want to know the name of the movie and the name of the person in the movie who said it. You ready? Anybody? Tyler. Ralphie. Come on, man. Ralphie. Now, while, while the context of this 
is, 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 tries to be humorous, we have to remember Ralphie's, see back in the day, maybe some people, why is he, back in the day, if you use profanity, parents would wash your mouth out with soap. Ralphie's getting his mouth washed out with soap because he's just repeating what he heard his father say. That's a legacy. That's a legacy. What legacy are you going to leave? What legacy are you going to leave? But that first part, helping people, it falls flat without this part. According to their benefit. See, the interesting thing about this verse is that you have to be an active listener. You have to have a certain level of awareness to understand and see and discern the needs of those around you. Too often, we speak singularly and selfishly. What I want, what I think, what I need, what I believe. This says, hey, maybe you should change it a little bit and begin to use your words how you can help others according to their benefit. And it requires us to live in a way that we're listening actively to those around us. Half the time, we're just waiting to get our words in. This is what the Word says. This is what the Scripture says. And lastly, that it may benefit those who listen. Benefit those who listen. You know, the New American Standard Bible says that it may give grace to those who hear it. I mean, think about that concept. Paul's actually saying in this moment, we have opportunity with our words to infuse other people with grace. The same grace that heaven gives us every day, we in turn can overflow and then give that grace to other people with our words. The power of our words to infuse grace in other folks. Philip Yancey, in a book, Vanishing Grace, said this to the Lord. Father, cause me to be yours in the expression of your grace as well as in the experience of it. Let me express that grace as well as experience it. See, some, some folks won't come to church. Some won't read the Bible. They maybe won't watch or listen to podcasts on sermons. But you know what they get to hear every single day? Your words. They hear you. Benefit those who listen. Be an, an expression of your grace. When you're at work, when you're at home, when you're at the store, what kind of words are coming out of your mouth? This is opportunity for you to show people the gospel of Jesus Christ with your words. So again, to kick off this series, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You, it's no one's fault. You, practice self-control. Pause. Do not let any unwholesome talk, corrupt communication, 
come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up, edifying them, making them bigger, making them better, according to their needs, creating a level of awareness in your life that you, you can discern and see what they need to hear, that it may benefit those who listen, that you have opportunities to infuse people with the gospel and the grace of God that you've been given with your words. That's where we're starting. That's where we're starting. Because throughout this series, we're going to see that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our words. So my question for you tonight, based on this scriptural mandate, have you been using your words to build others up? To make them better? To make them bigger? How does God want to leverage your words in the life of someone else to raise them to the next level? Maybe he wants to use you to speak into their life to make them better based on what they need. Based on what they need. Now, I could finish right there. I could, and I could invite the worship team up, and we could call it a night a little bit early. Man, it's great. You know, the guest deacons up. We leave here 20 minutes early, but I'm not. I'm not because there's one more thing I want to talk about. There's one more thing I think needs a little bit of attention. In case you don't know, Typing and texting is the new tongue. Come on. Right? Everything I just said, everything I just said applies to social media as well. Everything I said applies to social media as well. Do I even need to talk about this? Really? The U.S. Census Bureau said that nearly 84% of American homes have a computer. Desktop, tablet, smartphone, 84%. Facebook right now has 1.5 billion users. There's just over 7 billion people on the planet. And 1.5 billion of them are logged on to Facebook. Do you know Facebook broke a record last, last month? In one day? How many users they have on it? One billion. One billion users on Facebook in a day. Social media has multiplied the power of our words exponentially. Exponentially. And is it me? Is it me? Or does it seem like some folks will say some things on social media that they would never say to your face? No, not everybody. Some will say it to your face, too. But there are some who all day long will let you know how they feel. And you see them and they won't say anything. that? Why is that? Glad you asked. It's found in a term called online disinhibition effect. 
online disinhibition effect. That's why. And this is how it's defined. The loosening or complete abandonment of social restrictions while interacting with people on the internet that would normally, right, that would normal be present in normal face-to-face -face interactions. Online disinhibition effect. Listen, it's a phenomenon, right? That consists of, of, of many different social and psychological characteristics that, that, can, that, that have terms like disassociative anonymity or solipsistic interjection and asynchronicity. That's all that's in there. But social scientists have said it really boils down to this. People on the internet posting stuff actually feel like they're talking to themselves and not people. Like a diary, not a dialogue. Like it's private and not public. But you and I know, if no one else in the world knows, see, we know that it's not private. It's very public. And because of that, if you'd let me, I'd like to talk about three areas that I think we might need to practice a little bit of wisdom. Okay? Just a little bit. Now, some of you know that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, he was talking about marriage and relationships, and he said, this is me, not God. Right? I mean, he said, like, I'm just going to tell you what I think. Now, we know the whole the entire Bible is inspired by the Word of God. But I like it. Paul said, look, this, I'm just telling you this is my advice. So my disclaimer is this is my advice. But maybe it's inspired. <laughs> so let's look at the first one, where we might need to practice a little bit of wisdom. If we're to move forward with watching our mouth, hey, let's look at the area of oversharing. <laughs> Am I alone? It's either you or someone you know, or someone you read, is giving us way more details than we need, right? Now, I know that you've heard that you shouldn't be posting intimate details of your life on Facebook because there are some people out there who are want to use those details to hurt you or take advantage of you, right? So, so we, we, we just don't need to know every time you're going to the bathroom. I mean, just, just think about it. And while we're talking about oversharing, I know it's not words, but can we talk about photos? I get it. This is the age of the selfie. It's the age of the selfie. I, I understand that. But for those of you who might not be aware, now I know the SMEs, the social media experts in the room, are going to say, everyone knows that. I didn't. Did you know that there's a term on social media called geotagging? That means that every photo you take, they can map your exact location to within 15 feet. Every photo, unless you tag it and do something there so it doesn't happen, latitude, longitude. Adam Savage on Mythbusters, he took a picture of his new truck outside of his house. Big mistake. Hundreds of people came to his house, right? I understand. Me and my baby, look how much she's growing. I get it. You know, city life, yes. Hey, look, we're in Niagara Falls, yes. 
at the airport. This is me saying goodbye to my husband who's deploying for six weeks. I'm really going to miss him since I'm home alone and my back door doesn't lock. <laughs> what? What? Look, I understand. Undersharing can be considered boring. And we're all trying to create a social presence. But I'll say this. Oversharing whether on the street or online, can be dangerous. So my advice, practice a little digital discretion. Practice digital discretion, okay? Oversharing. Gladys Snowman from our church. Number two, bashing, right? People bashing. You know there's a term for that too. It's called flaming. Flaming. Mm -hmm. People bashing. That's what it means. If you're using social media to attack other people, to criticize other people, it's unkind at best, and it's unholy at worst. Some of you may remember the last time I spoke. I mentioned this, didn't I? Right? In my spiritual warfare message. And what did I call them? Facebook snipers. The actual term by the social psychologist is asynchronicity, and they call it hit and run. Same concept. It means I can sit in the safety of my house and attack you with ever having to really get involved, and I don't have to change, and I'm not helping the situation, but I can sit in my home and I can attack you and tell you everything you're doing wrong. Watch our mouth. Hey, while we're talking about bashing, do you mind if I talk about church bashing? These are the folks who criticize their last church, their current church, a church they've never been to, or the church at large. Rule of thumb. If your post has the word church in it, be sure it's a compliment and not a criticism. Why don't you highlight the good and let God deal with the bad, Amen. How are we to show a united front if online we are attacking each other? Bashing. My advice. When it comes to people problems and church challenges, be part of the solution. Not part of the problem. Be part of the solution and not part of the problem. My last one, it's kind of close to bashing, though. There's some cross-pollinating there, I'm sure. But I'm going to talk about it anyway. Arguing. Argue. Look, <laughs> I'm sure all of us at one time or another have fallen prey to the king and queen of caps lock. Right? How many of us have made the mistake of getting drawn into an online argument? Right? Can I ask you a question since we're all here just a second now? The last time you got into an argument on the internet with somebody who thought they knew everything there was to know from gun control to gay marriage, hey, how did that go? Did you teach the other party a valuable lesson? Did they thank you for enlightening them on the intricacies of the issue after you highlighted their ignorance and stupidity? 
If you don't have an opportunity to read Pastor Fred's blog, you should. He posted a blog last week, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, a response to a CNN anchor talking about Christians. And, and it's a little long, so excuse me, it's just a paragraph. I, I pulled it out of his blog. This is our pastor. These are his words. And when it comes to arguing and posting, listen to what he said. If you only watch programming that agrees with your point of view politically and socially, you will become what many cable news shows are already. Close-minded, unteachable, arrogant, contentious, and obtuse. I want to understand. Pastor Fred wants to understand what other people think. Convictions and values they have that oppose mine. Not only does this help me discover my own blind spots, but it prepares me when I have the opportunity to converse with people who differ from me on varying political and social issues. He finishes with this. Trust me. Once people who differ from you realize you've made an honest effort to understand their point of view, they will be much more likely to listen to your beliefs. Amen and amen. That's our senior pastor. My advice when it comes to bashing, when it comes to arguing, sorry, when it comes to arguing is this. Educate your mind and evaluate your heart. Educate your mind doesn't mean grab the, the first 10 sentences in Wikipedia and post it. Do the research. Figure it out. Get more, more points of view. Try to understand it. And then, most importantly, after you got all this knowledge stored up in your head and you're ready to, to enter the battle, evaluate your heart. Evaluate your heart. Because what's more important, winning them for Jesus or winning the argument? Where's your motive? Can I have the worship team come up, please? So here's what I'd like to do going forward tonight. Here's what I'd like to do as a church going forward tonight. Whether it's a physical setting and you're actually speaking to people one-on-one, -on -one, or whether you're sitting at home on your computer about to post something on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or text or email, this is what I want us to do. All that I said leads up to this. I want us, if we're to watch our mouth, I want us to think E429. I want us to think E429. Prior to speaking, prior to posting, I want you to pause and think E429. What do I mean by think E429? I want you to ask, is it true? Is what I'm about to say, is it true? And by the way, Andy Stanley said, honesty is not walking around telling everybody what's true. Honesty is the words that I say, are they true? There's a difference. So is it true, what I'm saying? 
Is it helpful? Ephesians 4.29. Is this, is what I'm about to post, is it really helping the situation? Is it helping this person? Or is it going to hurt them? There's a little sideways motive in it to hurt them. Is it inspiring? Are the words that are coming out of my mouth causing you to want to be better people? To be better men and women? Boys and girls? When they read my words or, or they hear my words, do they want to be better? Am I inspiring them? The next one's important too, folks. What I'm saying and about to post, is it even necessary? Is it necessary for me to post this right now? Is it necessary for me to say this to you right now? Should I pause just long enough maybe to say, you know, maybe I should just hold that for a second. It, 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 do you see the apocalypse coming and you're going to get no time? I got to get this out right now. And lastly, is it kind? Folks, we're, we're the church. We're the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who laid his life down for each one of us. That we, The one that we had the quiet conversations with, and we were like, Lord, I want to give up. And he said, don't give up. I'm right here. I'm never going to leave you. Remember how kind he was when you needed him and he was there? Well, he wants you to be that kind to other people because you know what? They need him too. So before you say it or before you post it, just please make sure that it's true and that it's helpful, that it's inspiring to someone, that it's even necessary, and man, make sure it's kind. We're going to think, E429, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. As we go into worship, think about the words you've been using. We're, we're just getting started in Watch Your Mouth. I believe that we can create a foundation going forward that, that from, from this day on, we can, we can change people's lives by speaking life and not death, by thinking Ephesians 4.29. So you and I, we've all said things that we regret up to this point. But God's mercies are new every day. And he's saying tonight, it's okay. You can start anew right here, right now, and begin to move forward and say that my words now will bring life. That I will infuse grace into people and they will get to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, let's worship together.